0: started I want to recommend a few resources, and just a few. Uh, there are many more, but uh, when it comes to books on Satan, books on uh, the demonic world, you can quickly go astray. You can quickly get off in, in all sorts of weeds. And so I'll uh, give you some that are very helpful and I think are would be beneficial for you to read at some point. The first is a little book by Warren Wiersbe called "The Strategy of Satan." Uh, I, I'll use some of this in my notes. I'll use all of these in my notes. But it's just a nice, easy read, and it kind of goes through uh, the different aspects of Satan, who, the traits that he has, um, how what he is after, and then how we combat it. So it's kind of set up in a nice little format, and uh, you would be wise to, to pick up a book like that. The second one that I'm really enjoying reading through right now is called God's Devil by Erwin Lutzer. Uh, R.C. Sproul said this is the best book he's ever read on the topic of Satan. Um, a lot of insights that you may not you may not have thought of. Um, and I have again, it's a good reminder that no matter how powerful Satan is, he's only God's devil. Uh, he can he's no more than that. He does what God. Uh, hid the independence that he sought it drives him crazy because he's only doing what God wants him to do. So he never gets out of that. But it's been very a very good book. And uh, I would encourage you to to get that one. Here's one. It's out of print by John MacArthur: God, Satan, and Angels. I think it's out of print. Maybe it's got a new cover. I'm not sure. Uh, it's good. It's just a kind of a primer on the topic, and uh, kind of lays out the scriptures. And it's kind of helpful in that way. A little bit different. Um, very MacArthurish. And uh, you would, but it's it's very helpful. And I have. I, it's been helpful for me as I, it's just, it's almost like a mini systematic theology book on the um, topic of God, Satan, and angels. Next is a classic that everybody in here needs to read called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Uh, it is one of the top works of the Puritans, and, and he, just, he just lays everything out. How does Satan tempt? What are the devices that he uses? We're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And as we'll see today, he's got many. Uh, and and Brooks does just a phenomenal job of laying those out, uh, really helping us understand the serious nature of, of what Satan's after. Here's kind of an a interesting book that I enjoy, uh, more historical, and just read it in the historical context, but it's Cotton Mathers' The Wonders of the Invisible World in New England, to which is added a farther account of the... I don't know. Um, they're the long Puritan titles, but but Cotton Mather's writing at a time where the Enlightenment is beginning to mock the idea of angels, demons, the spirit world, because if they can do away with the spirit world, then there's no God. Because if you can't, you know, if you do away with what you can't see, then then you're kind of doing away with Christianity itself. And and what uh, Mather's doing is he's writing out of his own personal experiences. He had demon-possessed people living in his home. Uh, he will write about that. This will actually kick off the the witch trials later on, although he has nothing to do with the witch trials. Uh, that there, that's a whole complicated topic, but it's helpful because he's trying to build a case. There are manifestations of demons and the spirit world, and so it's it's an interesting book. And if you're into such things, you like that uh, systematic theology. Get get Wayne Grudem's book. You can get you know any good systematic theology. Uh, that will lay out the doctrines of angelology, which uh, demons will fit in that, as well as Satan. So all those are good. They're they're good resources. Uh, stay away from charismatic authors because they're going to be having you rebuking demons. And, you know, you have power over Satan. I can tell you right now, you do not have power over Satan. Uh, you cannot rebuke him uh, when, the, when the top angel wouldn't even rebuke uh, Satan but said the Lord rebuke you, you are definitely not going to rebuke Satan. Uh, and you'll get yourself in trouble. And it's exactly what he loves. Uh, and so well, we'll talk about all this. We we wanna we want to we want to be biblically accurate. And that's why I want to set the stage this morning by setting that tone uh, to make sure we're going back to scripture first. And then we will build a little bit more on then what is the nature of how he impacts your home and your own soul. Uh, Your relationship with your husband or wife, your relationship with your kids, uh, your relationship at work, at the church, uh, he is active and he is seeking to destroy. So, no sympathy for the devil is what I've called it. My wife is not proud of me at this moment, but it's okay. It it seemed to fit. I'm going to get a talking to later. Um, Let's read Job 38, Job 38, 4 through 7. I'm reading this because you're going to notice that Satan is not mentioned here. Uh, this is maybe there's, there's, there's differences of opinion on when angels were created. And um, maybe before the creation of the world, uh, that's more my take, is that angels were already created when the world was created. Uh, and then some believe that all creation came about at that point of creation. Um, and so, either way, what we have here is a time when the angels were harmonious. So, Job 38, 4-7, the Lord is answering Job out of the whirlwind, verse 1 says, and we'll just start with verse 2, "...who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding." Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds, its garment and thick darkness, its swaddling band, and prescribe limits for it, and set bars and doors. And on and on the Lord goes as He answers Job back uh, as Job, uh, He was was putting Job in his rightful place. But in the midst of that, he, He brings out the fact that these sons of God who were angels, these morning stars, sang for joy. And among those morning stars most likely was Lucifer. Uh, and what's fascinating is, is, is that Lucifer, at one time, is a perfect being, and we need to remember that. It's hard to conceive that. But anyways, it's good to study our opponent. We're going to find out that, that Satan is our archenemy, if you will. We have three that we'll be talking about this summer, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they all relate to each other. Sometimes we blame Satan for things that are just our flesh. Sometimes we don't really give, we're not really aware of what Satan's actually accomplishing right now. He is very active. Uh, Sometimes we have no idea what the world actually is. And so uh, the Bible makes it very clear that if we're a friend of the world, we're the enemy of God. And and so we want to kind of clarify some of these things and understand what God's Word has to say. There's two mistakes, um, R.C. Sproul said, that we make when it comes to the devil, First, we can underestimate him so that he can lure us into a hidden snare, right? We can can really not think a whole lot about the devil. Uh, That comes about at times when sometimes when progress has been made and we become intellectually minded and, you know, at the thought of the devil, come on, that was for those primitive people, that's a pagan myth. And we underestimate him in many ways. And he loves that. He loves to be underestimated because if you're underestimating him, you're worshiping him in other ways, and he would be happy for you to worship him, even if it's behind the scenes. Also, we can overestimate the devil and his work. We can overestimate him that we may be so intimidated by him that we are paralyzed by his threatening power, and the reality is the devil does have a lot of power, but if we overestimate what he can do and think that he can work independently of God's control, then, you know what? Then we, we've given Him too much power and, and we, it is our Father's world, as we sang this morning. So, so listen to Jonathan Edwards and, and really be in tune with your mind today. Don't fall prey to the devil's distractions as we talk about him. Um, listen to Jonathan Edwards because this is one of the ways that the devil is so good at what he does. He says the devil... "...has driven the pendulum far beyond its proper point of rest, and when he has carried it to the utmost length that he can, and it begins by its own weight to swing back, he probably will set in and drive it with the utmost fury the other way, and so give us no rest, and if possible, prevent our settling in a proper medium. What a poor, blind, weak, and miserable creature is man." It is best to state we were like the poor, helpless sheep. The devil is too subtle for us. What is our strength? What is our wisdom? How ready are we to go astray? How easily are we to be drawn aside into the innumerable stairs, while in the meantime we are bold and confident and don't doubt, but we are right and safe. We are full of sheep in the midst of subtle serpents and cruel wolves and don't know it. Oh, how unfit are we to be left to ourselves, and how much do we stand in need of the wisdom, the power, the condescension, patience, forgiveness, and gentleness of a good shepherd, of our good shepherd. That's what the devil does. He is a master at the pendulum swing, if you will. Uh, we never really hard, we have a hard time settling into a biblical position on anything because we will the, the pendulum will swing one way, as Luther said, the church is like the drunk man getting on the horse. He gets over on the horse and falls over, and tries to get back on the horse and falls back over. It's what the it's the pendulum swing. We we swing it, and then, but it's not just left to us. The devil then takes that pendulum and shoves it the other way, and he's he never we're never at rest in what we believe, and so we don't we want to be careful here. We want to know what we're doing. Uh, he can he can take a Christian who. Uh, is presumptuous about sin and then make them all the way over to despairing of their sin. You ever been that way where you really don't think a lot about your sin and then the next day or the next week or five years down the road, you're in absolute despair over that same sin. He can do that. One day you can be fine. The next day you can be in despair. Um, He can cause you to neglect your religious duties on one hand and yet swing you all the way over to religious tyranny. Some people who come to Christ, they were completely living in a debauched state, no desire for God's law, and then they get saved and they move to a religious tyrant. Uh, And that's what the devil does. He's able to, to, to move you to the opposite extremes. You can resist one heresy, and then by resisting that heresy, move so far over to the other side that you embrace another heresy. That happened all the time in church history. And that's what the devil does. He, he gets us to swing that, he swings that pendulum, and we never really settle in that biblical state. And so we want to be very careful. He is active, and he is actively here. He himself may not be here this morning, but he certainly has influences that are here. Um, the devil cannot be everywhere at once. But he is somewhere. We know not where, but he is somewhere. So why study the devil? Well, let's just, let me just give you a list of, of some occurrences in Scripture that will remind us of how active he really is. Because remember, he is seeking to destroy you at this moment. You have an enemy. This isn't a game. Uh, this, is a, this is an enemy that wants to destroy your soul, your family, your relationship with your spouse. Uh, he loves nothing more than to mar the image of God in the lives of, of believers. So if we, if we were to just do a quick overview of Scripture, you can just write these down if you can. Number one, he tempted Eve. Of course, this is after he tempted uh, a, bunch, a lot of other angels, right? But he tempted Eve in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And if you want to look at all the consequences that came from that simple little temptation, then you can look at all the grief in the world, all the sin in the world, everything, and it comes from that temptation. That's how serious this is. He tried to tempt, well, he, did, he tempted Christ. Christ did not succumb to those temptations. But he tried to do the same thing. And he was crafty. And we'll find out, he is very crafty. And he used scripture. And uh, he knew what to use when Christ was in his humanity. Uh, and so he went after Christ himself. That's quite bold uh, to go after the Son of God. But remember, he is trying at this point in Christ's life to keep him from going to the cross. So, whatever it takes. Next, he perverted the, God's word in Luke 4, 9 through 12. So he, he twists God's word. He's a master at that. He opposes God's work in Zechariah 3.1. Remember, he is the accuser of the brethren, if you will. Joshua, the high priest, stands up, and, and the devil stands up with him to accuse him before God. That's what he does. He opposes God's work of grace in, in the life of believers. He hinders the gospel. In fact, let's turn to Second Corinthians four four. All right, second Corinthians four four. And we'll just do that one. We won't do Matthew thirteen, nineteen, but you can write that down. Somebody read second Corinthians four four for me. All right. do, you want, do you want to look around, you want to look open the newspaper or get online and look at the news or, or you know, get on your phone and see all that's going on and, and you're seeing things going out of control and you are wondering where it's going and it's a mess. It's because the whole world has their eyes blinded to the truth of God's word and the gospel and, and Satan is behind that. So it's very, very, uh, we're reminded of that. Sometimes we forget that there's an active force, active person behind the scenes. Next, he is ensnaring the wicked. 1 Timothy 3.7, 2 Timothy 2.6. When wicked act out, he's constantly catching them in their own folly. He wants them to be caught in their own folly. Next, he deceives the nations. 1 Kings two six and 7, Revelation 16 and 14 In Revelation 27 and 8, Satan is the ruler of this world under God's authority and allowance. Yes, this is our Father's world. I'm glad we sang that today. But under that, Satan has a dominion that he has been given. He deceives individuals as angels of light. One of the things we'll be talking about later on this summer are resources that come in that are false, but that are under the name of Christian. Sometimes they're truly believers that just have bad doctrine. Sometimes they're unbelievers posing as Christians, bringing in destructive heresy. And yet Christians, undiscerning Christians that are ignorant of the devil's schemes, fall prey to these resources. And so we want to be careful there, that Satan can masquerade, He can counterfeit. and we, if we're not careful, can fall for those counterfeits. He contends with God's archangel. Again, like I said, he had no problem disputing with Michael, the archangel, about what? What was he disputing Michael with about? The body of Moses, right? The body of Moses, right? They had a dispute about that. And so he is, unaf- he is not, he's not afraid to do that. In fact, he appears before God, we find out in Job, and he has to come before God to get permission. But there he is. He's at the throne of God. Um, he uh, he initiated the entrance of sin and followed the human race. Again, we can count all evil back to Lucifer. He appears before God, Job 1, 6 through 12. He walks about as a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, 8. He is the accuser of the brethren. It's not bad enough that we feel guilt for our own sin, but we've got Satan accusing us before God. And he had at one time the power of death. Hebrews 2.14, Luke eleven twenty one 21 through 22. So why study him? Well, you can see how active and how destructive and how deceptive this enemy really is. And we, day to day in our own homes, in our, in our own life, in our decisions that we make, in, in every facet of our life, there is a personal enemy with fellow personal beings that are seeking to destroy your life because they hate God, and you are made in the image of God. Serious stuff. We are told in Ephesians 6 to put on the armor of God. So what is scripture? Again, we're going to scripture because that's the only sure place that we can go to. But what Paul says is this isn't a game where we, you know, analyze our opponent like a football team would. What do you do? What what does a football team analyze, or a coach, or a basketball team, or a any athletic team or group? What are they? What are they analyzing? Strategies, right? Analyzing strategies. Why? Why would they analyze? What's that? So they can win. So they can win. So they can beat their opponent, right? Um, and every opponent, their opponents have different strategies. And every week, they or every game, they are analyzing a new opponent. They are they're spending hours doing that for a game that the moment it's over means nothing. It actually, meant nothing when they started the game. Um, in in the grand scheme of things, I love competition, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, and yet, look at the effort that is put into strategizing, analyzing. There's a lot of money involved there. It's become an idol. So now they're serving that idol by giving all their time to what they're serving. But the reality is, is we have a far greater consequence if we don't analyze our enemy. He is a destroyer of our eternal soul. And we'll find out again that God is the one... It's only under God's permission and allowance. Nevertheless, He is active and God is using him to accomplish his own purposes. William Spursto wrote that his temptations, he's crafty, and his temptations vary. He had an apple for Eve, Rachel, an apple for Eve. We have an ongoing debate in our home, but I I believe it was an apple. My wife does not. But, I mean, Snow White, it was an apple. So... Snow White. There's an apple. Anyways, the, the Puritan, uh, the Puritan William Spurstow wrote, an apple for Eve, a grape for Noah, a change of raiment for Gehazi, and a bag for Judas. He tempts a young man with sexual lust a middle-aged man with an itch for honor and to be great, and an old man with covetousness and peevishness. William Grinnell wrote that no actress has so many dresses to come in upon the stage with as the devil have forms of temptation. So, even as we're sitting here today, your temptation is not my temptation probably, and they're tailor-made. They know how to tailor-make their temptations for each person. And and that's how crafty, he's had years to hone his craft. And as a person, as we'll see, because he's a person, he plans, he schemes, uh, he doesn't know everything. And so he is making plans, okay? So we are to analyze. And, uh, but what would you say, living in our day and age, what is the attitude of the devil today? When you, when you mention Satan, the devil, in your workplace, if you've done that, uh, or even amongst Christians, maybe, whatever your sphere's in, what would you say is the general attitude when you talk about the devil? Derision. What's that? Derision? Derision? They, don't really care. they don't care. Yeah, it's so, right? Okay. Right, he's misunderstood. Okay, there's another one. Yeah, he's misunderstood. And that actually, as we shift towards paganism, that's going to happen more and more. He's misunderstood, which... Uh, sympathy for the devil really is a whole idea there is, is that Satan was misunderstood. Um, what else? There's um, one guy right now who claims that Satan is just whoever you want him to be for you. And he's, I guess, it's like a symbol in each person's life that, like, he follows Satan. But he yeah. says it's like an idea or a symbol to follow. Okay. Okay. All right. So, for him, it's following the symbol, Right. I don't know if you saw the, the whole transgender thing with Target, but it was a Satanist that was behind a lot of that. that, that guy, That's that guy? Okay. And, his in right. And he said he didn't even believe in Satan, correct? Right. Right. He's yeah. A simple, whoever he yeah. To be. Okay. So so he didn't even believe in the Satan of the Bible, it doesn't appear. Uh, she doesn't believe in the Satan of the Bible, because I believe it started out as a she. Um, but... But the reality is, is another idea. And Satan's happy with that. Whatever you, okay, yeah, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Um, as long as I get the glory and as long as you are not following God. Any, what else? What else are some of the prevailing attitudes in different circles of our society? I think you see a lot of people, too, who are very superstitious and they give more mm-hmm. power to the devil and they fear the devil more than they fear a the holy God. Yeah. Huh? Like, where you have that whole dualism issue. Like, I have yeah. relatives that are missionaries on the Navajo Reservation. Mm-hmm. And they've been out there for 30 years. And they do see a lot of mm-hmm. witchcraft and, um, like, weird mm-hmm. stuff. But they also have the whole dualism approach. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this equality almost with mm-hmm. God and the devil. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's very, very common. I mean, it's a... And it's easy to kind of, if you don't have a right theology, it's easy to fall into that. Uh, but that's where good theology helps at. Yeah. Did you have your hand raised? I did. We both did. Oh, we both did. Wow. You guys are in tune. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I have talked to people, and I feel like there's like a lack of responsibility of like your own sin. Okay. And like everything bad that I do, it's the devil. It's the devil. Yeah. We'll talk about that. That's right. So, in order to excuse sin and not take responsibility for my sin, it's the devil made me do it. Or it's my demons, you know, and I've got to deal with my demons, uh, that kind of thing. So, that's another way we we hear about the devil. What else? Yeah. I think one mis uh, or big misconception that's been around for ages and it's even in children's cartoons is the little angel and the little devil. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. And again, and that really came out of the Middle Ages, uh, that whole idea of the pitchfork, the devil with the pitchfork. The Middle Ages overemphasized demons, right? Even in, in Martin Luther, uh, if you read, if we listen to Mighty Fortress, and though this world with devils filled, that was the, that was the mindset. There's demons and devils around every corner, and, and there probably was. Uh, but they attributed a lot of things to a, a man's... Luther didn't, but others did. Where it was, a, there was a devil that they had made up from folklore that had kind of crept into the church. That was not the true devil. Then you get to the Enlightenment, and they're too smart for the devil. They don't believe in a stupid devil. And there's no demons anywhere, and blah blah blah. So, good. All right. Anything else? Yeah. You mean, like the myth of neutrality. Okay. Neutrality at all. Okay. Especially nowadays, we're seeing this like chasm and kind of the myth that's been there for a long time. Okay. Cool. All right. So myth yeah, and and there's various philosophies and things like that. Or some are just openly, you know, again this goes back to when I was young, but just celebrating Satan. They just love him. They think they love him. And they're going to party with him and they're going to, you know, they're going to sing about him and they're going to rejoice and, and uh which is very hard for me to understand how Christians can promote that kind of uh, open love of Satan. It just seems, I mean, nothing to me seem, probably is, brings him more joy than a Christian who will sing along and, and really dishonor Christ in, in what they will sing. I mean, we, you do realize we will sing what we will never say. I've mentioned that in the past. We will, we will do things in certain venues that we will not do in others. So we got to be careful. Um, I mean, I would never, you know, I would never give glory to Satan when I talk, but sometimes people will sing it on the radio. I mean, that's, that's just how those things go. All right, so lots of, different, lots of different views here, lots of different things going on. You're going to meet different people, and, it's, and he is happy with all those. He just confuses, all right? So, so we're to analyze... But where are we to go if we're going to get an accurate view of who the devil really is? Where do we go? Ah, Scripture. And I want to, if you are new to grace, you're going to hear us occasionally reference a confession. Um, our confession that we hold closest to would be the Second London Baptist Confession of 1689. Uh, and we do that because it grounds us, it helps ground us and not just be a non-denominational church that doesn't stand for anything. And your kids are going to believe something different because the next generation is going to take Scripture and that's what it means to me. And there is truth and, and truth stands the test of time. And though confessions are not inspired, they are helpful guides to keep us grounded in Scripture. So if we were to go to our confession, it would say the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. And it goes on to say, um, concerning all that, it says, "...therefore it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in divers manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church, and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth "...and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing." In other words, God revealed His will through Scripture. Satan is after the will of God. That's what we'll talk about next week. He deceives, and he wants you to not believe the will of God. He does not want you to believe the Word of God, and he doesn't want you to follow the will of God. Two things that he's after, because Satan himself was, "...I will." and not God's will. Jesus said, thy will. Satan said, I will, right? And, and, the, and what Satan wanted to ascend, Christ descended. There's a whole different thing. There's a whole different, Satan has a whole different perspective. But it's the scripture that we look to. So if we were just, let me just uh, run down, and we're, we've got just about five minutes. That's why I wanted to set this up first, so we were grind, grounding this in scripture. But if we were to go, if we were to open up at Genesis 3, we see, we see uh, there's an acknowledgement of Satan there through the serpent, right? More we'll talk about next time. Uh, Jesus acknowledges Satan in Matthew 25, 41. He says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, if there's no devil, there's no Christ. Simply, simply put. Uh, Jesus then would be a liar. He would not be the Messiah because he affirmed the devil over and over. I'm not even reading all of it. Um, here's what he said again. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. John 8, 44, you, he tells the Pharisees, are of the fa- your father, here's a Father's Day quote, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we have a devil here, Jesus talking about the devil. Paul, Paul mentions the devil. Where would Paul mention the devil? Anybody know? There's one particular passage. He calls him a a different name. He does on a few different ones, but he it. Okay, he's the accuser of the brethren. Okay, right. He is that. Ephesians 2, what does he call them? Well, let's read it. And you, that's us, were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you also once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Before we were believers, we were acting out of our own sin, but we were following a course. That was a course led by Satan himself. So Satan is involved. We just can't blame Satan for our personal sin. Again, as we talk about the flesh, we'll talk more about that. So Paul certainly believes. And how about James? James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How about Peter? Peter certainly knew there was a devil because Jesus said, Satan's actually asking for you personally, and he wants to shake you, and he wants to destroy you, right? And so Peter will know that there is a a, a devil. Uh, He will say basically the same thing, uh, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Um, John does, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Second Peter 2.4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness, to be kept unto judgment. And in Jude, where he talks about this, the angels, and we're going to talk about this, the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority But left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. You want to know what the great sin of Satan was? It was pride, which caused him to abandon his position that God had put him in. You think that doesn't flow out into our marriages, into our authority structure, into this world when we abandon what God has called us to? In fact, that's kind of the point here, as we'll talk about later. But Satan didn't commit sexual immorality. He wasn't an adulterer in heaven, and he was kicked out for that. He wasn't any other sin you can put in there. Pride caused him to not be content with where God had him be. And he wanted to be like God, he wanted to be independent of what God had decided for him. And are we not seeing a satanic culture today? Let me just uh, let me finish with a couple of things here. And then next week, we're going to talk about the traits of Satan. We're going to talk about the tactics of Satan and the target of Satan. And that's going to all, we'll, we'll kind of flesh that out in our families. Uh, we're, how do we deal with this? How does he tempt our families? What do we need to be watching for? What is the bait that he puts on the hooks to hook me personally? How could he cause me to rebel against my husband or wife or against God or or to charge God for what he has done in my family or reject what God has done in my family or respond wrongly to my children or whatever he's got. Again, he has all these different temptations and we want to be aware of that. Or literature that I am reading or others are reading that is creeping into the church that is bad doctrine that causes me to have a faulty view of God and causes me to actually dishonor the Lord rather than honor the Lord. And we already mentioned a few of those resources, and there's several of them, and there will always be several of them. The devil never stops, and he's always trying to destroy. All right, but let me just once again, because now we have a problem of evil. Let's read one more passage. Let's go to Isaiah 14. Let's set the stage for the big fall next week. Isaiah 14. By the way, another another deception is to be so self-righteous, right? It's one thing, one side is to live out in debauchery uh, sin and, and all the, what we would call debauchery, uh, wickedness, a lot of what the world's promoting right now. The other side is a self-righteousness that is just as wicked. Uh, it's wicked in a different way. We've got to be careful. All right. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through, I think, 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, Lucifer, right? So Lucifer and the King James. What does it have in New American Standard, by the way? The star, of the morning. star of the morning. So morning star, day star. Uh, remember in, when I read earlier in Job that the, the, they were called stars. Um, certainly not stars we see in the sky. Day star, son of dawn, how are you cut down to the ground? You who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. In other words, above all the other angels of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. We're going to flesh out those statements next week. What does that really mean? Because all of this filters down into our own thinking. His lies are bound up in this. He's going to tell Eve this very lie, that that you can be as God. Uh, He fell, and he destroyed the harmony that was in heaven. And again, like I said, Christ Christ was about thy will, not be Lord, your will be done, not my will. Satan was about I will. And what's fascinating is he is going to be the highest-ranking angel He is probably the worship leader in heaven. He is directing. He is answering probably from the angels, other angels, to God. He is, I think MacArthur wrote, when God wanted to display his absolute beauty, he created Lucifer. That's how beautiful his being is. In fact, if you were to read, he's covered in jewels. He's, He's this phenomenal being, and he's perfect. And for a time he loves to do what God called him to do. And then there's a moment where sin was found within him. And it causes us then to go, it should cause you to go, well, how did God allow that in a perfect kingdom? So let's end with that. Why let me throw that out to you. Quick couple quick answers. Why would God allow evil? Uh, good God, perfect heaven a god who knows all things if god's not evil how could he what, what why would god allow that in his kingdom yeah for his glory. what's that for his, glory. for his own glory that's and that's what pretty much that's all we can say because we don't know there's no maybe you know he gave he gave angels free will at some point and they chose out of that free will. That's possible. Uh, but even that doesn't answer why God would allow that. But the Bible makes it very clear. The secret things belong to the Lord. And the very things we don't understand is what Satan caused Eve to doubt. Uh, if That causes you to doubt God's goodness. Now you know where Eve was at when she was by the tree. Because that's what he's going to do. The things you don't understand about God. See, God is evil. And Eve begins to fall for that. Instead of bowing before what we don't... I mean, all Eve had not seen any wickedness or sin, and yet Satan will get her to doubt God's goodness even without knowing why God would allow evil. Uh, so it, it's one of Satan's tactics that we'll talk about, but we don't know. And, and theologians are pretty... They understand that. We just... We don't understand it. It's beyond our comprehension. Maybe one day God will explain it. Maybe it was clearly to, to bring out redemption and this show is great love for uh, his elect and for his son ultimately. But how that all works is just something that we have to bow before Scripture and not let Satan twist Scripture and our thoughts about Scripture and, and doubt God and be suspicious of God. So already we have a, a perfect opportunity for Satan to work on people's minds and get them to question God uh, rather than submit to what Scripture has to say. All right. Anything else? Any thoughts? Yeah. Satan doesn't know who true Christians are, right? He He doesn't know all things, and he doesn't know the heart. I think he observes, and I think that he 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 can make he can forecast, and he can make guesses, and he can yeah he can observe people's lives. But does he know the actual heart of man? No. So he's always like trying to attack as much. I think he's trying. Yeah, he's on he's on the attack. Yeah. So he never ceases. In fact, when God asks him in Job, where have you been? Well, I'm to and fro. He never stops. He's from here to there. I mean, he could be in India right now, in America tomorrow, or in the next... Who knows how fast they can travel? We don't, we don't know. He's not omniscient. He's not all... He's not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful, and he's not omnipresent. Uh, he is a created being. But he's a very wise and crafty create a being and he certainly can destroy the relationships within the body of Christ he can he can do a lot of damage so we want to not be ignorant of his schemes uh, and that's what we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks all right anything else all right well uh, I would encourage you to pick up some good resources and read uh, they're very helpful and and they will bring to light some things that are I think very helpful for you all right. Well, let me pray, Heavenly Father. We uh, just come today, and I just pray that even the technical side of who the devil is does not bore us. Does not that we don't think that it, it really does not affect us today. Uh, that that Satan is far from us, that we would never be deceived by him, that he uh, is not going to—he's not really active in, in our lives. I pray that we would not fall for these, these lies. I pray that we'd also not give some faulty power or ascribe some faulty power or, or view of Satan that gives him too much glory and power that would be exactly what he wants. We recognize that He is a creation and created by you. And yet we also understand that Your Word is what we need, that we need to put on the armor of God, that we need to do this daily, uh, that we have Your revealed will and what we need, and we know that You're a good God. So I pray that we would not be ignorant of Satan's devices, that we would not, like Eve, fall for his cunning tricks, And I pray that we would rejoice that Christ came to destroy the works of the devil and that we have confidence because of what Christ has done. I pray as we look ahead that as we, this summer, consider our enemies, that we would heed them, that we would not take them for granted, that we would understand we are in a spiritual battle and we are daily in a spiritual battle and we are in, as Jesus said, the prince of this world, Uh, has nothing in Christ, and we, in one sense, are in His kingdom, and in and around His kingdom, and yet we are not of His kingdom. And I pray that we be wise, that we would not uh, be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and that we would be desirous to obey God's will and not our own will. So I just pray that You would give us more wisdom and discernment as we study these things. And then as we look at these resources that are doing damage in our church, that are causing us to think wrongly and, and apply wrongly what your word has to say, which dishonors you and doesn't bring you glory, I, I pray that we would desire to bring you glory in these things and, and that we would um, be wise as serpents and, and harmless as doves. I thank you for each that's in this group, and I just thank you for these families. Pray you bless our fathers today. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.